Welcome to New York Sports Wrap. Uh, I'm your host, Mike Silva, subbing in for Rich Catino, who is down in Washington, D.C., covering the Mets on assignment. Hope everybody's doing well. If you want to follow me on Twitter, of course, my Twitter handle is at Mike Silva Media. Uh, pleasure to be in for the great Rich Catino, who uh, continues to do great work and, and doing a great job here on this program. If you guys don't know who I am, well, you know what? I host a little podcast called Talking Mets. And uh, you can find that out weekly. You can check it out over at our good friends at MetsmerizedOnline.com or in the iTunes store. Now, this is a New York sports show, so yeah, we're not just going to talk Mets today. But uh, with it being in the middle of the baseball season and you just got some great hockey content with uh, the guys before us, so I'm not sure you really want to hear what I have to say about the the Rangers and Elaine Vigneault and that kind of stuff. I'm certainly not going to talk the Masters. You don't want to care an iota because I don't know anything about about golf and the Knicks right now. I think you're a little bit of ways away from talking Knicks basketball. So we're going to talk a lot of Mets, a lot of Yankees. Rich is going to tune in or check in a little bit at about 8.45 live from D.C. right now. It is 2-0 Nationals. Bryce Harper with a two-run bomb there in the first inning off of Matt Harvey. Later on, we'll talk Yankees. Chris Corelli, contributor over at SNY. Uh, as well as the sporting news, uh, really good Yankee contributor. We'll get into the Yankees a lot to go over uh, out there. You'll also hear some live audio, uh, cons- courtesy of our friend producer Stephen over there, who maybe uh, what his Yankee hat on. Maybe we'll get him in on the Yankee content here. Uh, I believe we got Stephen Jose Reyes and Brandon Nimmo. I believe is that what uh, Rich has coming up? So, and a little bit of Mickey Calloway. Some news being made here. On, uh, I guess, on the pregame with Zach, Zach Wheeler getting the start on Wednesday. So, uh, nice little setup here to the show. And uh, if you guys want to call in at about 9.30, I think I'm going to try to take some calls. Not sure how the live audience is going to be, but I tweeted it out. The uh, number is 631-955-5400. Of course, you can listen if uh, you're tuning in, you're probably listening on the uh, the stream, WLIE540AM.com. So where are we at with the Mets? So the big news, and, and anyone who tuned into my podcast earlier, we were talking about the hot start and, and all that fun stuff. And it's always hard when you do these Sunday night shows. You really love it to be basically a week recap. And you're recapping the week before and the week ahead. And these ESPN Sunday night games really throw a monkey wrench into everything. Now, I'd love to be watching it because I'm really curious about how A-Rod is doing. A-Rod's like the big, you know, card over here, the drawing card on these ESPN broadcasts. And I find him fascinating in terms of his baseball knowledge. Anytime I've seen him talk about baseball on the MLB network, things like that, he's just, he's incredible. So I'm looking forward. Maybe I'll go on Twitter if you guys are listening. Tweet at me, at Mike Silva Media. And give me an idea how that's going. Now, the fact that it's an 8 o'clock game and how bad the weather has been here in the Northeast, in the East Coast, I mean, that's the Mid-Atlantic down there in D.C. There was reports of possibly snow this past weekend. I think ESPN has to rethink their Sunday night selections. I know that it's obviously Mets Nationals and they're trying to get the big teams and, and you know, it goes to show you that I think even ESPN thought the Mets were going to be a little bit better this year. But anyway, it's a little tougher to do something like this because we have one eye on the game. We're talking about the week that has been, and it's been a great week for the Mets. And you can't ask much more than what this team has done. And and I know Rich will get into this in a little bit, but most strikeouts by any big league team after seven games in history, 
uh, basically uh, have a whip of one, the, the bullpen for the most part outside of Hansel Robles and a couple of the guys like Seawold and Jacob Rahm hasn't given up any runs yet. Uh, the starting rotation has not yet gotten really great outings from Syndergaard and DeGrom. So that's the interesting part. You're 6-1, and one, uh, going for the sweep against the Nationals. You haven't really gotten great starts from those two guys. And, um, you know, you've seen a decent start from Matt Harvey. He's off to a little bit of a shaky start here uh, tonight with a shaky first inning. Um, but you got that. You got uh, Stephen Matz with a bounce-back effort yesterday. And then we'll see what Zach Wheeler gives. And then, obviously, Jason Vargas going forward. So now the news that came down, you have this hot start. You have a team that's, you know, let's 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 face it, is, is showing a lot of moxie. Um, they've, it seems like every time the opposition gets ahead, they come back. They're talking the right things. They're they're going out there. They're playing fundamental ball. They're trying to take the extra base. You could see this as a team coming out of spring training that is the antithesis of what has been over the last couple of years. I said, and I've been saying this, and you guys know it, since the 2015 World Series, this team got very complacent, got full of themselves, and was never pushed. They were never pushed to capitalize on that World Series appearance and they played down to the competition, and they fell on the narrative that they're a second-half club, and they fell on the narrative that they're always injured, and they played it like they were the underdogs, when in fact there was enough talent on this team to be much better. Maybe not last year, because they had a lot of injuries last year. Maybe that tied into preparation. But certainly in 2016, they could have been a hell of a lot better ball club. Now you're seeing that. You're seeing Mickey Calloway come in, set a different tone, and sometimes that's just a new voice, so let's be fair, and you guys know... I'm not a, not a Terry Collins fan, but here's your first situation where you, you could see the difference in the manager. Now, Seth Lugo, and this will be interesting how he handles this, Seth Lugo and Robert Gazelman have done a really nice job the first week out of the bullpen. And it looks like, even in the Syndergaard de Grom starts, that the Mets are going to be rather careful about how deep they go with starting pitchers, maybe at least early on. Personally, I always think your starters should go seven innings and 120 pitches. If you go seven innings in this day, day and age and 120 pitches— I believe uh, I can live with that. I know it's not 1970s baseball where you go nine innings, but the compartmentalization and, and how efficient these guys are with their pitches, I don't know if you could really expect more 120 pitches. And you don't want them to go 140, 150 pitches. I saw the Mets do that with Doc Gooden and David Cohn in the early late 80s, early 90s in rain games. And, and that has its impact over the long haul on a pitcher's arm. So that's the other extreme. So... I think ultimately that's where certainly your aces you want to go with them. So now you bring Wheeler in. Wheeler had a nice start on Friday night down in AAA in the Pacific Coast League. He did not earn the start in spring training. Lugo did. Now because of the weather and because of his own success out of the bullpen, he gets pushed to the bullpen and then Wheeler gets the start. What happens if Wheeler pitches well? He almost stole the starting rotation spot from Lugo. Uh, you know, that's your first little situation here. Like, how does Mickey Calloway handle that? Look, I'm trying to create a controversy here that really doesn't exist. Let's be fair. There is none. But this is, this is how you handle clubhouse personalities. This is how you communicate. And most importantly, look, Calloway's going to be able to handle the media. Collins handled the media well. Calloway so far is, is getting rave reviews in the clubhouse. Helps when you're 6-1. and one. Uh, Even jury's familiar through a little subliminal... Maybe not so subliminal shot at Terry Collins yesterday when he said Callaway knows what he's doing down in the bullpen. Now it's about managing the bullpen, managing the rotation, and you're seeing right now it's a little easier when you have these rainouts and days off. Let's see how it goes as it gets more into the thick of things. I mean, he's made some moves, you know, going to Lugo in the bullpen. 
um, you know, going to Jacob Rame uh, uh, in the eighth inning yesterday. And again, it's against Matt Reynolds. It's not against Anthony Rendon. That would have been a little bit more of a of a moxie move, but it worked out. So right now, the three criteria that I've said a good, successful manager needs, which is managing the bullpen, managing the media, managing the clubhouse. He's done all three fantastic the first week. And look, not every move have I agreed with. Putting Hansel Robles in a couple of high-leverage situations like he did and you know, opening you know Thursday opening day in Washington D.C. It worked out. In uh, you know on Saturday yesterday it didn't. Bryce Harper hit a home run. And and speaking of which, Bryce Harper looks really locked in. Hit a home run today off of Harvey. Hit a home run off of Robles, which wasn't a bad pitch yesterday. So you know everything is coming up aces right now for Mickey Calloway. This team looks good. Um, they have positive vibes, and it'll be really interesting to see how uh, that all works out. Now. Concerns? What are they? What are, what are those? There's always going to be some storm clouds. Uh, Steven Matz and his inability to hold runners. Mets have yet to throw a runner out. I think the Nationals historically have been aggressive against the Mets, and that's a component that you don't see in today's game. You don't see teams really aggressively stealing. Uh, you know, nobody's ever going to be like the '85 Cardinals uh, or the late '80s Cardinals anymore. But you can see that component, and a lot of this, yeah, you could blame the arms of both Plowicki and Darno, but a lot of this goes back to holding runners on, which Familia you saw is not great at. Matt seemed to uh, not really uh, do a great job with that. Matt's wasn't concerned, but you could see the manager was like, "No, this is something we have to work on." See, in my opinion. This coaching staff, both Island and Callaway, will address it. Now, will they get better at it? I don't know. There's certain capability and certain abilities that come into play. But that's the the, the one thing here. Uh, defensively, they seem like they're a much better ball club. Uh, so that, to me, uh, is something that they haven't seen over the last couple of years. Uh, that's that that's obviously something a little bit to, to look out for. What you do like is that they're not relying on the home run as much, and they're able to eke out some of these close games, something that they haven't really been able to do all that often the last couple of years. Again, horrible weather here in the Northeast. This is the way you have to win over the first couple of weeks. Who knows when it's going to warm up because, quite simply, the ball isn't going to fly out. The biggest thing here is that for the first time maybe in th- almost three years – I feel like this team, regardless of what happens tonight, regardless if Harvey gets completely annihilated, and we will be watching Harvey here because it'll be interesting how he navigates a good lineup to really see if he's, I don't want to say back because he's never going to be back to dark night days, but if he's back where he's a serviceable third starter. But they passed the test where they went in, they beat the Nats on opening day, which is not something that's easy to do on anybody's home field. I mean, if there's one day that no matter if you're the worst team in baseball or the best, you want to win opening day and the fans are into it and it's usually a sellout crowd. And even though it was cold down there, it was a sunny day. It was a decent day. So it wasn't like they were playing in front of, you know, and I know there's a lot of Mets fans and what have you down there. So that, that comes into play. But, you know, to me, that is, um, uh, you know, a first test. And then they go and they and they take a game on Saturday uh, where they were down a couple of times and they win. And even Familia mentioned that it was a big save. So they're, they're taking these games early seriously. And it reminds me of how that 2016 out of the gate took things very, very seriously, uh, got off to a hot start. Anytime there was a chance to make a statement that season, whether it's going into Philadelphia to sweep the Phillies, going on a nice 10-game uh, West Coast trip, and, and going and obliterating the Arizona Diamondbacks and coming back, 
with a 9-1 and West Coast trip that really set the stage for them to jump far ahead of the Braves and the Phillies and coast the rest of the summer. That team did it, and that team won the division going away, but that's how you set the tone for the season. And I don't know if the Mets can, over the long haul, stick with the Nationals because the Nationals are certainly talented, and they can match with the Mets 1-2 in the starting rotation. But that's where tonight comes into play in Matt Harvey. Like, how is 3, 4, and 5? You got an affirmative, positive answer about Matt, who I think is the wild card, who could be this team's Jerry Kuzman, who could be this team's Al Leiter type of pitcher. It goes back to where you really hear the words of Mickey Calloway about the conviction in his pitches and executing it. And has he, does he have the confidence consistently to trust his stuff? Um, and then you've got Harvey, you've got uh, uh, Wheeler potentially, Vargas. Uh, maybe Lugo or Gazelman. I think Lugo's more likely to get a start because I think they really like what they see out of Gazelman. And who knows, maybe Lugo's pitched himself completely out of the rotation because he looked really nasty coming out of the bullpen. But how can those other three days, can you get two out of those other three days consistently? Because you're going to win a lot of DeGrom Syndergaard games, but how many of those other three are you going to win? And and it starts with seeing how Matt Harvey tonight you know, you're off to a bad start. You get the, the first inning home run by Harper. Okay, great. Last year, it unravels. Last year, it goes south quickly. Let's see how this year brings. So it'll be interesting to to get that take. So, you know, we'll hear from Rich Catino. We'll get his take on this uh, move where the Mets are going to basically give Zach Wheeler an audition to steal that rotation spot back. Think about it. The weather has played in Zach Wheeler's favor. He didn't pitch well in the spring. He went down to the Pacific Coast. He had one good start down there. And now the weather has played. And the success of Lugo out of the bullpen has put him back in a situation where that quote-unquote Fab Five rotation could be back intact. Wheeler could take the fifth spot again. I would assume Robles would go down. And the Mets would have Gazelman and Lugo as really big sixth and seventh inning swing guys out of that bullpen. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll have Rich Catino. We'll get Rich Catino on the line. He's live in Washington, D.C., We'll get an update from him. Later on, Chris Carilli of SNY will join us to talk to Yankees about 9.15. Your calls at 930-631-955-5400. If you want to tweet me throughout the show, at Mike Silva Media, and uh, we can have a lot of fun. I'm your host, Mike Silva, here on the New York Sports Wrap. We'll be back with Rich Catino right after this. Take WLIE 540 AM with you anywhere in the world with our free iPhone and Android apps. Listen to your favorite shows, find out news that's important to you, or just check the local weather, all from our free app. Find us in the App Store on your iPhone or Android or at WLIE540AM.com. Man, do I love card night. You ready, boys? You got a king? Go! Oh, come on. (laughs) This is WWE superstar Titus O'Neil. It only takes a moment to make a moment. Take time to be a dad today. Learn more at 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Want to get your business, product, or service on the radio? Use our 10,000-watt signal to get your message to the entire tri-state area. Find out how to connect instantly at WLIE540AM.com. This is Higher Ground with Pastor Gary Grant and First Lady Grant inviting you to tune in with us on WLIE 540 AM and online at WLIE540AM.com every Saturday 
from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. as we expound the gospel of grace. We're also here to pray for you. Remember, God is still blessing in this season. Mike Silva back here, New York Sports Wrap, uh, subbing in for Rich Catino, who's down in Washington, D.C., covering the Mets on assignment. Uh, and with us now is your good friend Rich Catino, beat reporter for 9870 ESPN, uh, obviously author of the book Press Box Revolution, and the host of New York Sports Wrap, who uh, has generously allowed me to take the big chair tonight. Rich, Mike Silva here in New York. Uh, welcome into your program. How are you? <laughs> good. How are you guys doing tonight? Hello. Oh, wait. oh, Rich, are you there? Could I hear? You? Could you hear yeah. me now? Yeah. How are you guys doing tonight? There you are, Rich. Welcome uh, to your program. And um, you know, obviously, uh, nor- normally we would do like a-, a recap of the week before and then the week ahead. But you know, right now, um, you know, we're in the middle of a Mets ESPN Sunday night game. Mets trailing the Nationals two nothing. Uh, but an interesting day. Some news made by Mickey Calloway, and not a big start by Matt Harvey, but. I think an interesting start to see how he does versus a good hitting lineup in a primetime event to see how far back he really is. I think it is interesting because, you know, obviously in the first inning, Bryce Harper takes him deep, uh, six home of the year for Harper. But I do think it's an important start for Matt Harvey, and particularly one where he gives a couple runs up early to see how he can respond to that and keep his team in the game because all the Mets need from the Matt Harveys and the Stephen Matzes of the world is give me five, six innings, give me two or three runs, keep you in the game. And on the night Syndergaard and DeGrom did not pitch, you know, that's where you're going to have to go to the bullpen in droves. And all you really need is six innings, three runs from these guys, and that's kind of what you want to see Harvey and Matt's. And even to a certain extent Vargas, although when Vargas comes back, I think he'll be better than that. But um, that's the kind of performance you want to see from the three, four, five guys in the Met rotation. Rich Coutinho, 98.7 ESPN, host of uh, New York Sports Wrap down in D.C. as I sub in here in New York for him. Rich, some news made before the game, and I guess I'm not completely surprised because I think there was enough signs that the Mets really were interested in how Zach Wheeler was going to uh, perform in his first minor league start. Terry Collins was down there, special assistant to the GM, watching him uh, with the rainouts and so on. So the interesting storyline is here is that Lugo earns the spot out of spring training, Rain messes up his rotation uh, day, goes to the bullpen, pitches really well, gives the Mets this idea, well, maybe he really should be in the bullpen. So he almost, between bad luck and his own performance, pitched himself out of the fifth spot. Now Wheeler's back in. Wheeler could come through the back door with a decent outing on Wednesday against the Marlins and maybe take the spot back that he lost in spring training. A little interesting twist here. A very interesting twist, and I think, you know, because Gazelman and Lugo have pitched well in the bullpen, I think that, you know, the manager wants to keep him there, at least for this start. Then there's also the thing about when Vargas comes back, and if I was Mickey Calloway, I'd be thinking, well, you know, you want Wheeler to pitch well, but when Vargas came back, I was probably going to take Lugo out of the rotation anyway. So rather than pull him into the rotation and out of the rotation, never mind what Wheeler does, when Vargas comes in, Let's give Wheeler the start and leave Lugo and Gazelman in the bullpen where they pitched well. It's an interesting decision on his part, but one that I think is totally understandable. 
Rich Catino joining us down in D.C. I really feel, Rich, that the difference between the Mets and the Nationals will come down to, uh, and you mentioned it a little bit earlier, you have Syndergaard and you have DeGrom. They're going to match up with Strasburg and Scherzer very well. I'm not the biggest Strasburg guy. I really think Scherzer, I mean, I I would give the Mets a little bit of an edge on that because I'm not the biggest Strasburg guy. But it goes to the three, four, and five. Gio Gonzalez is a really solid arm. You know, Tanner Roark, who you're seeing tonight, uh, is sneaky. I think a lot of people don't give him enough credit uh, for him being in that number four. And then you have A.J. Cole. We'll see how that goes. But it's really going to depend how the Mets three, four, and five pitch. And what you saw yesterday is, to me, Stephen Matz, forget Matt Harvey for a second, is really the key. He could be this team's Al Leiter, Jerry Kuzman. I know that's high praise, but I think, and Mickey Calloway talks about pitching with conviction, I think if he can get that all together, stay healthy, I think Steven Matz, uh, in a lot of ways, is a very underrated part of this uh, rotation and gets talked about less than Matt Harvey, when in some ways I think he might be a better pitcher right now. Well, the guy I think trumps all those guys possibly is Vargas because Vargas has performed at a high level now. He came off Tommy John surgery, had the tired arm-looking second half a little bit, but he wasn't. let's not forget this guy was on the All-Star team. Vargas, and I think if I was, you know, once he's healthy, to me, he's three. And then to me, a combination of Matt Harvey, Wheeler, Lugo would be the four and five. But I do understand what you're saying about Matt. He is, he is a guy that will give them a different look, left-handed, especially when, until Vargas comes back. And I just think that, you know, when if you match, the guy that you match up well with Gio Gonzalez is Vargas. And to me, that's almost a watch. And I think that, you know, then the four and five, you're matching Harvey and Matt's up with the four and five starters in the Nationals rotation. And I would have to give the Mets the edge there. So I also think the Mets bullpen might be deeper than the Nationals bullpen. That's the other aspect. I think the Mets lineup, you know, the Nationals lineup is clearly better once Daniel Murphy comes back to the lineup. But I picked the Mets to win the NL East, and I did it because I thought that their starting pitching was deeper and their bullpen was deeper than the Nationals, and I still believe both of those things are true. And the Mets' offense, which was my concern, I thought if the pitching was healthy coming out of spring training, this was a staff that two years ago was top five in all of baseball. I mean, you know, the fact that they were injured and things that went wrong last year, everybody forgot about that and has really forgotten about them and wrote them off. But the lineup, I was like, well, it's a home run lineup. Guys like Frazier and Bruce are look more like home run guys. When when Bruce first came over, I wasn't overly excited. I thought he was another version of Lucas Duda. I might be wrong here because I think Todd Frazier is a grinder. I think he shows a lot of leadership qualities. I think what you saw yesterday with that at-bat shows that he can adjust in a spot where he needs to maybe make more contact. Uh, Bruce has been, to me, a much better player than I expected coming over at Cincinnati. Uh, Cabrera is in the right role, the right spot when he's focused and not complaining about his contract. Can be a really solid hitter. Conforto, we know what he can bring. And then you guys got, you got guys like Nimmo. And if Ligaris could come off the bench and do his thing defensively and contribute anything offensively, and the catcher's doing their thing, this is not a bad lineup. And I haven't even got it to Rosario, who adds a whole other component that we haven't talked about. So maybe the lineup, uh, you know, it's not this home run or nothing lineup maybe that we've been accustomed to the last couple of years, although the home run will be a big part once the weather warms up, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And I I think that there's more variety in the lineup than there was last year. And I also think that the approach is, you know, 
Yeah, you can have hitters strike out a lot who home it, but if you get ones that also get a fair share of walks, then it almost negates the strikeouts. And I think that but that Todd Frazier does bring that on-base percentage to the mix for the Mets. And I think Jay Bruce, you know, is just the power bat in the middle of that lineup, along with Cespedes. To me, the four core bats are Cespedes, Conforto, Bruce, and um, Todd Frazier. And I think because you have four core bats like that, you can force everyone else to be a complementary bat. And that's where guys like Cabrera and guys like Rosario and even the catching duo of Darno and Pulwicki don't have that pressure of being a core bat. They could be a complementary bat, and it makes them much more effective, Mike. Rich, we got a couple of minutes before we got to head to the break, but I would be remiss if I didn't say to you, okay, everything is coming up aces here. Most strikeouts after seven games, ERA of two, the bullpen's given up nary a run. Uh, you know, the offense hasn't gotten going, and it seems to be able to score in different ways. Give me a concern you have early that you look at this team through the first seven games, say, okay, maybe is it they're holding the runners on, the stolen base? What, what, what do you look at and say, okay, this is the first thing I'm looking at, which can be a bit of an Achilles heel? I think it's the speed that other teams have, and they don't, both defensively and offensively. And I think that they're trying to make up for the lack of speed with, you know, running the bases intelligently, and that does help. But to me, you either have speed or you don't. And that's one thing that makes me believe that if Rosario can command that nice spot of the order well, he eventually could be possibly the leadoff hitter in this lineup. I don't even know if that will happen until next year, but he does have speed. When Nimmo and Ligaris play, they have some speed. But really, there's no other speed on the team when they're out there day in and day out. And that's the thing that really bothers me about the Mets, the lack of speed. But it's something I think you have to live with. We all have our Achilles heel. we we got to go to a break here, Rich. But So you're going to be covering the Nats. I know you'll be back here doing your New York sports wrap next week. Any final thought, uh, parting comments for the Mets fans out there in the audience? Yeah, be nice to your Yankee fans in the office tomorrow because they're 4-4, four and four, but... As I had said all offseason, the, the money they spent on stand would have been much better served for a pitching arm, and I think we're going to see that manifest itself throughout the season. So be nice to the Yankee fans, Mets fans. You'll have plenty of time to razz them all summer. Thank you, Rich. Enjoy the game down in D.C. Looks like the Mets got a little rally going there in the yeah, third inning. Yeah, they do. They have first and second, two outs, and Cabrera at the plate, down 2 nothing, top three. All right. Rich Catino, 98.7 ESPN, at Catino9 on Twitter. Thank you, Rich good stuff there and uh, we'll keep an eye on one eye on that game we can't we can't do the the play-by-play on that game it's against the rules but we'll keep an eye on it all right we got to take a quick break Uh, when we return we'll transition to the Yankees I have Chris Corelli coming up from SNY in a little bit we'll talk about the rough day the rough weekend at Yankee Stadium rough week for John Carlos Stanton and uh, my thoughts on where the Yankees stand you're listening to the New York Sports Wrap with Mike Silva we'll be back with more baseball talk more New York sports talk right after this The views, opinions, and statements expressed in the preceding program reflect the views of program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views of WLIE Radio, its management, or its sponsors. For questions and comments, please send us an email at WLIE540AMRadio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE540AM.com. 
cap off a weekend of watching sports by talking about it with Mark Rosenman and AJ Carter on Sports Talk New York. All the intelligent conversation, insightful interviews, and just plain fun are now right here on WLIE 540 AM from 7 to 8.30 Sunday nights. Visit their website, www.sportstalknylive.com for previews of upcoming guests. Visit their Facebook page to win prizes. That's Sports Talk New York, Sunday nights from 7 to 8.30 on WLIE 540 AM. This is Higher Ground with Pastor Gary Grant and First Lady Grant inviting you to tune in with us on WLIE 540 AM and online at WLIE540AM.com every Saturday from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. as we expound the gospel of grace. We're also here to pray for you. Remember, God is still blessing in this season. My savings are gone. Okay, where were they last? Here, right before I spent them on the vacation to Aruba. Weird. Not weird. Not saving now means no money later. For free ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. This message brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Download our free WLIE 540 AM app and get all the information you need right on your smartphone. Find our app at WLIE540AM.com or visit the App Store right from your phone. Our way of saying thanks for listening to WLIE 540 AM. You're listening to WLIE 540 AM, Islip, New York, a part of Universal Stations, LLC. The views, opinions, and statements expressed in the following program reflect the views of program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views of WLIE Radio, its management, or its sponsors. For questions and comments, please send us an email at WLIE540AMRadio at AOL.com or visit us at WLIE540AM.com. Mike Silva back here with the New York Sports Wrap on WLIE 540 AM. Uh, the number is 631-955-5400. And we'll see if we get any calls going over here. We're going to transition over to the Yankees. Going to try to take some calls around 930. But if we get somebody beforehand, we'll try to uh, get them on um, if, if, uh, if they so desire. Looks like uh, Adrian Gonzalez with a grand salami. Mets take a 4-2 lead in Washington, so something interesting. Producer Steven, what, do we get a call at all, or is that a uh, false alarm? What do we got going on here, uh, Producer That was actually Rich calling in to let oh. you know about that grand slam <laughs> we just mentioned. <laughs> Rich, tell Rich, that's good to know, but Rich, <laughs> I have MLB.com in front of me, but that's good. Rich yep. is always a good guy on that, so I got excited there for a minute. Let's transition over to the Yankees. and f- Producer Steven here, uh, and you don't mind if I call you Producer Steven, right? You can call me whatever you want. You know, I like to get the, uh, the, the whole... Place involved when I do that, you know. When I've done radio, terrestrial radio, the times I've I've even gone on the air and, and like try to set the scene. Now here, yeah. this is a pretty good studio. Um, the bathroom works well. Um, <laughs> you know, you guys actually answer the door when someone comes to let you in. There's not yep. a lot of quirkiness going on here, although you know what? Uh, spend enough time at a radio station, the quirkiness could come out at any moment. But um, let me get to the Yankees. So I'm going to give you guys as um, as balance of a view because I think the hysteria. And I know what Rich was saying, uh, you know, about maybe the Yankees who clearly with a budget decided to hold back on adding other components at a, a, a high level after they got the John Carlos Stanton trade early in the offseason. There's no doubt that 
they could have done a little bit more this offseason. And they're off to a 5-5 five and five start, and they had an ugly series against the Orioles where they lost. I mean, today's loss was brutal. Bases loaded, nobody out with Judge and Stanton coming out, and they don't get it done. Uh, so I could see the frustration, and I'll start by what bothers me most, but the fans in New York, is the treatment of John Carlos Stanton. And it starts right now with, and I'll give it to you in a succinct box, I'm listening to Casey Stern on MLB Network Radio, and he was criticizing the fans last week after the opening day five strikeout performance by Stan, which, by the way, he decided to go and pull, actually go ahead and do a better, uh, what is it, the, the Golden Sombrero is four. I don't know if they have a name for five, but uh, 0 for 7, five strikeouts today. So he even did worse today. But he brought up why would you boo? Guy had a good uh, opening series in Toronto. Why would you boo the guy on opening day? And you won on top of it because he went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. And the caller who called up from New York to defend that whole action by the fans said it, and I knew it was coming. Well, he makes a lot of money. So here's the deal, guys. Yes, these guys make a lot of money. Yes, they make money that guys like uh, me and producer Steven and all the other guys out in the audience would only dream of. Look, if I had one year of making $30 million a year, one year, that's all I would need, I probably would never work again. My life would be life-changing a lot better. But with that said, they have a skill and a unique talent that only 750 or so people have. So this is simple economics, supply and demand. To be jealous of that, to hate on that, then essentially you have to take your own money, put it back in your wallet, and go out and do something else. But to hate on these people because they make money and that they demand that they have to execute for you because of that money is just childish. Look, at that point, when Ted Williams hit 400 that year, he failed 60% of the time. Should you have booed him 60% of the time? Now, do you boo lack of effort, lack of focus, lack of preparation? Absolutely. Is that why John Carlos Stanton um, you know, did not execute on opening day? I don't think so. And is it time to panic over a 5-5 five and five start? Because the Yankees lost three out of four to the Orioles, and and you know they didn't really hit in the clutch all that much, and their bullpen, not the big guys, but some of the the secondary pieces didn't come through. No, it's not time. If you go up and down right now, and Sabathia is hurt, so I think there would be some concerns about the depth coming up from Scranton on the starting pitching side. But Severino and Tanaka have pitched very well, and I think that. There's nothing to indicate that those two will be an issue. Do I think those guys will be in Syndergaard and Negrom or Scherzer, Strasburg? No, I don't. But they're not too far off. And Tanaka's the one that I always wonder, when's the arm going to go? Severino showed me a lot during the postseason last year. He had the horrible outing against Minnesota and then bounced back and pitched pretty well uh, for a guy who's 24 years old and, and was really having his first taste of success. The real key here is the bullpen, and they lost with secondary guys. The guys like Robertson, yeah, I know he gave up the grand slam to Smoke last week, but Robertson, uh, Canely, uh, Green, Batances, uh, I don't see, and I know Batances may make you a little bit nervous. He's the wild, the X factor. I don't see how this bullpen is anywhere near bad, like where you're going to have an issue. The Yankees' formula for success is what happened yesterday. They get six innings, three runs out of their starter. They hand it over to the Robertson, Batances, Chapman part of the bullpen. You've got uh, Canely coming in. You've got Green. You'll win a lot of those games. The Yankees are going to win 90-plus games. Now, are they going to compete 
at the level that the Red Sox will to win the division. We'll see. The Red Sox are off to a hot start. The Red Sox will have their issues. The Red Sox will have their their slumps. Uh, but to get crazy about this start, um, I, I just think is childish. This started because of expectations. Expectations are set up disappointments, and we always do this as sports fans. The winter is long. The winter gives you a lot of time to play general manager, to get excited about the season. And when a team like the Yankees makes a big A-Rod-type acquisition, right away, it's almost like it's the NFL, the NBA, the NFL where you get the star quarterback, the NBA where you bring in LeBron James, and, oh, they can't be beat. Well, one player doesn't change anything in baseball. And I've seen this this story with big players coming to this town. Beltron, A-Rod, right away they don't perform, um, and, and they get tarred and feathered. And things go sour really quick, and it takes them a long time. It took Beltron well over a year. They try to run Beltron out of town. A-Rod, you know what was going on. You know how things were uh, going down that route until 2009. I mean, it took A-Rod almost five years, really, to win the fans over. Um, so this is where I, the New York fan loses me. You're going to boom for striking out? Go back to 2016. Stanton had a two-month period where he was awful. I saw, I mean, look, I watched the Mets every game. I mean, they're in the National League East, the Marlins. There are times where Stanton would go up there. They would talk at 1.16. Do they need to send him down? Do they need to get like a little assignment to get his, his head straight? He looked awful. He can be, from what I see, uh, a little bit of a, not I want to say feast or famine, but a streaky player. And some power hitters are like that. You saw a little bit of that with Judge last year. Judge got off to a great start. He leveled out. Look, if he's going to hit a buck 60 for a week or two weeks, you know there's going to be a big run out of this guy. The Yankees will be fine. Does that mean, you know, and this is where I warned everybody, and I think I was actually on Catino's show, this very show, about a month ago. And when everybody was talking about, well, the Yankees are going to score more runs than the 61 Yankees, and they're going to hit more home runs than Marisa Mantle, stop. Stop. Just accept them for who they are. They're Judge, they're Stanton. To me, Judge is a bigger question mark than Stanton. I've got a long history of, of Stanton success. Judge, I have a year. And I still think that, you know, you can pitch to him if, if you want to. And the guy that got out of the jam today, Brad Brock, he's a pretty good pitcher. Now he, may, he gets wild and he walks guys, but he's a pretty good closer. He's not chopped liver. I know the, everyone says the Orioles, they stink. You know, they got some, some arms out of the bullpen. Darren O'Day, Brock, guys like that. So, to me, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, there's no reason to be concerned about the Yankees. None whatsoever. That's number one. Number two, you got to stop trying to drive these stars out of town. I don't know what it is about, and it's probably the modern sports fan, Maybe it's about the money, and I get it. You hate the fact that a guy like this makes $30 million and, in theory, doesn't execute at his job, and he gets still to be paid. But you know what? Everybody has bad days at work. Everybody. Me, everybody. And everybody's made big blunders at their jobs. Now, maybe you're getting paid fifty grand a year, and this guy's getting paid $30 million, so it's not apples to apples, but... To hate on players, to hate on athletes for the money they make. You know what, guys? If you saw, if you really dissected into the math, you saw the pool of money that goes into the sport that you, you the consumer, pays to see these athletes. Who do you want to get that money? You want the owners to pocket it? Or do you want the talent 
that actually goes out there and performs to get it. Because to me, if this was you, and I was your parent, or I was your brother, or I was your cousin, or I was your agent, why should you go out there, perform for everybody, and nobody's coming to see Hal Steinbrenner. Nobody's coming to see Brian Cash. And you know what? Nobody's coming to see the manager. I know that all of a sudden now in analytics and everybody wants to come see the manager. This isn't college basketball. Okay, the manager is a big part, but no one's coming to see the manager. At the end of the day, they're coming to see John Collistan, Aaron Judge, guys like that. That's why they get paid. And yes, should they perform? Yes. But does that mean they're going to perform every day? No. And in baseball, of all sports, with this day in and day out grind, you're going to fail 70 to 75% of the time. You know, what, 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 what else can I say about this? And to really, and I know everybody's going to be all over this guy. He's made the last out. No one's going to care that Judge Ground is a double play. No one's going to talk about that. And I remember over the offseason, I was talking to a big Yankees fan. And I, it, it really stuck with me when he said, you know, I really like what the, the Mets did. They brought in some good component players. I just don't like the fact that they brought in Stanton the Yankees. And um, it was almost like last year's team because they had the homegrown talent. And really, Didi Gregorius was an under-the-radar pickup. And he's turning himself into a huge impact player. Here's a below-league average hitter for more than a few years, now all of a sudden becoming maybe their best hitter, arguably their best hitter. Um, and I remember this fan telling me, I just don't like how they're going back to the A-Rod model. It's like the Yankee fan was happy. After 2009, when they won a championship, they brought in Burnett, they brought in Teixeira, they brought in Sabathia. They had you know A-Rod at that point for five years. They basically were going to buy a pennant. And they bought themselves a World Series. They had a veteran team. And a lot of the guys on that team, they still had the core players from the 90s, but you had the guys around them were imports from other organizations. It was almost like they won that way. They've won that way already. They want to win the way they won in the 90s with this innocent team. This, you know, They had the innocent climb. The Mets had the innocent climb in 2015 and went to the World Series. The Yankees had the innocent climb in 2017 and made it to Game 7 of the AL- ALCS. And the fans got into that. But, you know, honestly, that innocent climb, that goes away after that first year. And bringing in someone like Stanton's not going to change that. Now, if they had gone out and they'd given up a bunch of prospects for Stanton, top-level prospects, the guys like Torres, Andujar, which they didn't, then I could see maybe. But to me, this is only, this is only it could go one way and is up. You're not going to—the Yankees are going to be able to absorb the, the contract if it gets to be a problem— uh, if he's successful, he's probably going to opt out in a couple of years and want to get a bigger contract. Depends, though. You know, with the way the market's going, that might not be as a given. I should take that back. And that might not be as big of a given as it once was. And, um, you know, the only gripe you could have is like what Rich said earlier is could the Yankees have spent that money that clearly they had a budget because they wanted to stay below the tax threshold? Could they have spent that money on some pitching depth? Or maybe spread it around a little bit. You know, Todd Frazier, to me, you know, he's done a lot for the Mets. You can see he's not John Carlos Stanton, but that's a guy that, you know, I think brings a lot to the table. And they could have used some of those kind of players. You know, do you want to go to an Andohar or Torres, you know, uh, Gleyber Torres this early? Don't you want to let them kind of ease into, you know, with the injuries and what have you? They go out and they get a branded jury. Would they have been better with a Frazier than a jury? So, anyway, that to me is kind of where you're at with the Yankees. Really no reason to panic. It's an annoying series early in the year. I've, you know, I've been there. We know that. Mets are Listen, the Mets are going to have a series where they lose three or four, and you're going to be pissed. 
on a Sunday night because they blew a couple opportunities. It's going to happen. It's going to happen to every team. The Yankees just so, so happened the first full week of the season. They're 6% of the way through. But the real story to me is they're going to just make this about Stanton. The talk shows are going to make it about Stanton. Hey, look, I'm making it about Stanton, right? And it really shouldn't be about Stanton because, yes, he was the reason maybe why they lost today. But you know what? Jordan Montgomery didn't get out of the fourth inning. They get six innings, three runs out of Jordan Montgomery against the Orioles. They're probably okay. And they probably get to that bullpen. So, anyway, let's take a quick break. When we return, Chris Corelli of SNY. Let's hear his thoughts about the Yankees. He's a contributor at SNY. Been a friend of mine for a few years now. Really great Yankees contributor. Let's hear his thoughts. Let's hear what he thinks about John Carlos Stanton. Let's hear what he thinks about the Yankees as we continue along the New York Sports Rep excursion here at 10 o'clock. At 9.30, the number will be 631-955-5400 if you want to call in and give your comments. Not sure how many of you are on the live feed or send me a tweet at Mike Silver Media. I'll check my Twitter feed and see what you guys think. We'll be back with Chris Corelli of SNY to talk some Yankees right after this. The average time a resume spends on an HR manager's desk is seven seconds, and most of them are tossed aside. Now imagine if one of those resumes belonged to Yasmin, who was... Living in a shelter, juggling three jobs. I had to be resilient. That's something that you can't teach. We rely so much on a resume, yet it could never tell the full story of someone who... Had to be independent and take initiative. And that's how I handle every project I get. Discover new ways to develop great talent at gradsoflife.org. Brought to you by Grads of Life and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Pastor Bill Shishko, inviting you to tune in to a visit to the pastor's study every Saturday from 12 noon to 1 p.m. here on WLIE Radio. We bring biblically faithful pastoral ministry to you, and we invite you to visit the pastor's study by calling in with your questions. Our time will be lively, useful, sometimes controversial, but never dull. Join us this Saturday at 12 noon for a visit to the pastor's study because everyone needs a pastor. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You accidentally cut your daughter's bangs unevenly. Do you A, line things up a centimeter from her hairline? Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. No, 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 no. Sweatbands are so hot right now. Everyone's wearing them. Like that basketball player and that other basketball player. B, get spiritual. Mom, where did all the mirrors go? A reflection could never capture our true selves. Huh? Beauty is within? Um. C, look on the bright side. Less time blow drying, more time texting. Or D, show empathy. Mom, you really don't have to. Ta-da! Twinsies. (laughs) I kind of love it. (laughs) As a parent, there are no perfect answers. But you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Silva back in here, New York Sports Wrap, uh, hosting for Rich Catino, who's down in Washington, D.C., on assignment, uh, one of those rare... ESPN Sunday night games, and the Mets are up 4-2 in the fourth. So uh, some interesting stuff coming out of Washington, D.C., positive in the Mets' favor as they go for the sweep. We're talking Yankees here in the second hour, and uh, joining me, a friend of mine for a few years now, he does some really great work. Uh, You know, I know that everybody likes following the beat writers and what have you, but Chris Corelli, uh, SNY, uh, he does some great uh, analysis of the Yankees. You can check him out on Twitter at Chris underscore, underscore Corelli. You can check him out on SNY, and he also contributes to Sporting News, and he's joining us right now. Chris, welcome to the program. Long time no talk. How you been? Uh, great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. 
Uh, here's my perspective. You know, I know what you're going to hear all week. You're going to hear, and I, I read your, your concern about the Yankees' depth over at SNY earlier in the weekend. But let's start out with some pragmatism here. You know, the team is 5-5. Five and five. They had a lousy series against the Orioles. Everybody's ticked off about the week that John Carl Stanton had. But two things. Number one, John Carl Stanton's going to have weeks like this because if you go back to his time with the Marlins, he had sometimes as much as two-month stretches where he looked like he couldn't even hit the side of a barn. Um, the Yankees had some bad pitching performances. Uh, overall, though, Tanaka and Severino have pitched well. The big guys in the bullpen had a couple of blips, but they should be okay. Um, I don't expect Montgomery to get knocked out in the fourth every game. If the Yankee pitchers, and they should be able to give six innings, three runs, get it to the bullpen, and this offense will bludge at enough teams, uh, I don't think you're going to see a lot of five and five, ten game stretches. Uh, so the concern and all the drama that will come over the next day or so should be quelled in the near future. Do you agree? No, no, I definitely agree. I mean, for every time they go five and five, there's probably going to be a stretch where they win eight out of ten or you know nine out of eleven, something along those types of lines too. So they'll they'll catch back up. I mean, there are some concerns, but um, like you say, some of them will be they'll they'll fluctuate with the with the times just like anything else. And and you're spot on about Stan Nees. He, like Judge, is going to have moments where he's going to be um, you know, just not looking very good at the plate, and then he's going to go on a very strong stretch where he's bludgeoning baseballs and hitting them, you know, 115, 20 miles an hour, and you know, doing exactly what the Yankees hoped he would when they traded for him. Chris Corelli, SNY, joining me right here. Fans, and I was talking in the in the intro here before I got you on about Stanton, and I summed it up with a caller to MLB Network Radio to Casey Stern, who was admonishing Yankee fans for booing Stanton after the five-strikeout performance. That was on opening day. He goes, he goes 0 for 7 today. And I don't even know if there's a name for it. There's Golden Sombreros 4. I don't know if there's a name for five strikeouts. (laughs) And they should create one maybe now because he's got two of them this year. And, you know, the answer from the fan is he makes a lot of money he has to produce. And I'm saying to myself, that really is so childish. I thought we were past that. I thought with all the... Information and I know not every fan's reading fan graphs or SNY.TV. They're probably listening to some blowhard on radio. That we were past that, and we would understand that if that mindset of booing players who make thirty million dollars or make a lot of money holds true, then we should have booed Ted Williams when he hit four hundred because he failed sixty percent of the time. I'm concerned that Stanton, because he's an import, because he comes into this team, this team that felt that the fans fell in love with last year that they're going to give him the A-Rod treatment. I'm not saying he can't handle it, but it certainly doesn't make for an easy transition. It took A-Rod five years to transition here. Uh, I'm not saying this is too soon to say this is A-Rod, but we've seen this story before. We saw it with Carl Speltron. We saw it here with uh, A-Rod. Now we're seeing a little bit with Stanton. Uh, You have to be a little concerned the fans' tolerance level with him and how that impacts him in the early going. Yeah, I mean, that's the the key. I mean, I'm not surprised at all about how some fans are are treating the situation. Um, That's just, you know, part and parcel with, uh, you know, Yankee fans in general in in some respects. Um, But, you know, his mindset is is clearly going to be an issue. And, you know, it seems to me that there's certain times that he he is visibly pressing. Um, The last at-bat today, it was, you know, the last swing he took was one of the worst swings I've seen him take in, in quite a long time. Um, so it, it's, it's weighing on him already. He's, uh, expected to produce. Um, he knows he's expected to produce as far as the fans are concerned. Um, but you know, they, you have to give him a break too. You know, he's, it's, it's, a, it's a lot coming his way. Um, he's coming from an area where, you know, he, 
I mean, I, he wasn't really expected to do uh, that much. He carried that team in, in Miami, and now it's uh, you would almost think that he should be able to fit in a little bit easier because he's not the, the focal point. And I think that'd be Judge. I think that's, uh, you know, other people on the team can kind of carry some of that weight off the shoulders, but he seems to be trying to carry it himself, and you know, unfortunately it's, it's not really working out for him. After that first game uh, of the season, he's, he's really looked fairly lost. Chris Corelli, SNY uh, contributor, Yankees contributor, also on the Sporting News, joining us talking Yankees baseball. Chris, earlier this weekend you had mentioned your concerns about depth with the Yankees. Sabathia goes on the DL. He says he's not concerned. Look, he's 37 years old. You're hip. That starts to make you, you know, take a pause. Uh, you, you know, you don't know what's going to happen with Drury. I think Drury was supposed to be the guy that, in some ways, um, it was supposed to be Todd Frazier to be the bridge here to like an Andujar or a Torres, but uh, Glaber Torres. But you know, he's now got migraines. That's a weird injury. Who the hell knows what's going on there? Um, Aaron Hicks is on the DL. Billy McKinney's on the DL. I don't think anybody's. To compare it to what's happened to the Mets or some other teams, it's a little early. These are not out, you know, out for the season type of things. But you were sh- you wrote about a little concern about depth, specifically with starting pitching. Talk yeah. a little bit about that because this could, you know, these kind of things. Some of them are open ended. You don't know when a Drury or a Sabathi is going to come back, even though they're downplaying it right now. Yeah, no, I I, I mentioned a lot uh, over the offseason in a few different posts that, you know, I, I really was surprised that the Yankees didn't tried to find a little bit more uh, of a veteran presence for the rotation. Uh, I understand that, you know, Jordan Montgomery uh, had a fine rookie season last year, and, and I, you know, I expect him to be, you know, a serviceable pitcher, you know, going forward, you know, but I'm not sure if he's going to be much more than a number three type starter in his career. Um, you know, Sabathia is going to have injury issues. You know, Tanaka is going to have one or two DL stints. Uh, you can say the same for Sonny Gray. Um, Luis Severino threw 58 more innings than he did all the year before last year, including the postseason. Um, that tends to haunt a, a younger pitcher. Um, so, you know, there's, there was some, to me, there was writing on the wall that there was going to be multiple times where one of the five starters uh, was going to have time on the disabled list, if not each and every one of them throughout the season and or have some regression in performance from last year to this year. And because of that, I felt that, you know, with, the ability that they had in the payroll structure to still find a, a, a veteran starter, you know, a back-end guy, someone's going to eat some innings. Um, and I'm not saying they have a six-man rotation, but like you said right away, you know, had they sent Montgomery down at the beginning of the year because they had a fifth guy that they found on the market, he'd be up already. You know, he'd be the one taking Sabathia's spot, and he would easily get 20 starts this year. So it's not, to me, it wouldn't look too much like a demotion. It'd be like, you know, you're the sixth guy. You're going to get your starts. You're going to get your innings and maybe even 25 starts for the season based on, you know, what other people are going to, are going to falter or are going to have their own injury concerns along the way. And in that respect, you're not bringing up a guy like Luis Sessa who's demonstrated he's had an inability to get Major League Baseball hitters out on a regular basis as a starter. Um, and or you're turning it over to a young guy who's got minimal time as a starter on the mound in Domingo German. You know, so it's, those kinds of things are, it could have been avoidable as far as I can see, and that's, that's what I wrote about this week. You look at the Gary Sanchez here. You know, we talk about Judge. We talk about <clears throat> Stanton. He's really been under the radar. I mean, he's, he's off to an awful start. Uh, yep. I'm not concerned. But, look, he's asked to handle a pitching staff. He's got a new manager. Girardi was very tough on him. 
uh, being a former catcher. Uh, what do you see out of uh, Sanchez here? Just another like Stanton, you know, early sample size. Obviously, it stinks to have that batting average on the scoreboard because in the middle of the year you don't see it. But uh, any concerns with Sanchez there? Because that he's really been bad to start the year. Yeah, he's had a rough time at the plate, which is, you know, when people say spring stats mean nothing. I mean, he, he was hitting the ball very well during spring training. And, you know, the, the regular season started and he's seemingly, you know, lost it again as well. Um, I'm not concerned about it. I mean, again, I think it's like you say, some you know, it's a little blip. It just happens to be at the beginning of the season. It becomes magnified because you know expectations are so high. It's part of the reason why I think Stan's catching a lot of heat because you know they're coming in. They didn't play um, you know the top teams in the league to start the season, right? So going five and five is not really a great start um, when you look at it that way. And uh, you know, so it becomes magnified. And what I do notice though. So I'll give Sanchez some props. Is that I think he's been playing, you know, pretty well behind the plate. Um, so I'm not sure if it's a matter of him focusing his attention on the defense because that's what people are harping on him about, or if it's just, you know, a separate circumstance altogether that he's just having a little bit of trouble maybe seeing the ball. And he's, he has scorched some balls uh, that I've noticed while, you know, they just have been hit right at people. Happened to him a lot last year as well. Um, yeah, I think eventually those balls fall. The manager, Aaron Boone, I know everybody was all – over him about the smoke grand slam, but let's face it, he he had Robertson, a closer, who would be a closer on another team in the game. It's probably maybe his questionable pitch by Robertson. Um, I know he's going to be a focus, especially if there is some sort of, you know, early season, let's say they get off to a losing record or, you know, the Red Sox series coming up, everyone's going to make a big deal about this. Uh, Girardi had his detractors, but I think they were almost like after he blew that that playoff game, and then they came back to win. There's still that comfort level with the fans in Girardi. I personally was shocked they got rid of him. Maybe I shouldn't have been, but shocked. Now you bring this guy in from the broadcast booth that nobody would have expected. Uh, he hasn't really been, other than that one uh, move, been a focal point, but you know that's around the corner. Again, Stanton's protecting a lot of these guys from getting the, the wrath yeah. of, the, of the media and the fan base. Any, any early thoughts on Boone? Um, and and how you see him and how his performance has been through now ten games six percent of the season ten games, yeah um, you know it, it, to be the early judge I would say what's what surprised me a little bit is um, well I shouldn't say surprised I knew he was going to come in heavily steeped in analytics they wouldn't have hired him if he didn't feel that that was you know a strong suit of his and if he wasn't going to follow along in line and the Yankees themselves or an organization that are you know heavy into the numbers, just like, you know, 95% of the teams these days anyway. Um, but what I'm surprised about is that I haven't seen much of that uh, I'm going to go with the gut. Because even when he was questioned about certain uh, moves that he made in the, in the game that smoke at the Grand Slam, the game previous where he lifted Tanaka a little bit earlier than maybe, you know, some people thought. I mean, I, I personally thought Tanaka had another two batters in him at least, and it kind of snowballed on him after that. Um you know, I'm surprised he isn't just a little bit more, you know, intuitive versus, you know, looking strictly at the numbers. And he's answered back. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the sample size, and if it's even with the smoke one, it was pretty small. So it's, it's kind of interesting that he's so invested in the numbers that he's uh, almost unwilling to look at the fact that, let's say, smoke was having a great day and Donald looked, you know, pretty awful in that game uh, and up to, up to that, you know, up to that point in the, in the season even. Um, and, and to let... I don't know, to me, to let Robertson make that decision as to who he was going to pitch to to be the ultimate choice was uh, was interesting to me. 
Chris Corelli, SNY.TV. Give me um, maybe a couple of positive surprises so far. We've we've talked about the negatives. There's enough negativity around. Any players that have stood out where you're like, hey, that's, that's, that's a good sign early on. Give me a couple of those as we wrap up here. Yeah, sure. Um, I'd say on the hitting side, D.D. Gregorius. I mean, you know, I'm not surprised at the um, the production so much as uh, I'm I'm wondering when his upside is going to, to stop. I mean, it seems year after year he's done a little bit more than the previous season, and he's off to a tremendous start right now where, you know, he's starting to put his name to me among the, uh, the you know, elite shortstops in the game, not just the um, – one of the better hitters on the Yankees, uh, not one of the better hitters in New York, but he's starting to be recognized as, you know, one of the elite type players. Uh, at least he's on his way to becoming that if he can continue, you know, hitting as he is right now. I mean, he's not going to hit 375, but uh, you know what I'm saying. He's, he's, uh, he's got a chance to hit 30 homers. He's that kind of power, especially in Yankee Stadium. Um, he's been a lot more selective this year at the plate, which is a huge, huge boost to, to his uh, abilities because um, he's a contact guy. So if he's going to take pitches and he's going to, um, you know, put the ball in play and, and get in, get it through the infield and get it into the outfield and make hit home runs, this guy's going to have a tremendous season. And then for pitching, I would, I'm going to stay with Severino. I mean, he comes out after, you know, a very an excellent season last year. Uh, was third in Cy Young voting, uh, and he's had two really good outings. He, the Yankees needed some length the last time he pitched, and he gave it to them. Uh, he's he's on his way to becoming you know a, a top play pitcher in the American League for for many years to come, and you know he's defined himself as as the ace of this of this team. Chris, what do you have coming up? I know you're at the Sporting News SNY TV, uh, obviously at Chris underscore Corelli on Twitter. Give the uh, listeners an idea to know where they could follow you, what you got coming up, and obviously a ton of Yankee stuff. But I know you do some stuff for the Sporting News as well. Yeah, I um, right now. I'm going to be doing something on Stanton, I'm sure, this week. Uh, of course, it's kind of hard to avoid, uh, you know, not mentioning what's happening with him right now. Um, but I'm also going to be looking at, I think, uh, some of these injuries that the Yankees have been uh, dealing with and, and how they're, uh, the players themselves have seemingly been hiding behind them. Uh, Jury, you know, Bird, you know, it's a, it's a circumstance that's kind of fluctuating through the entire league right now where, Players seem to be a little bit nervous to uh, to let the teams know what's happening um, to them, uh, probably in a in a way because they're fearful of losing their jobs. And um, I want to do a little bit of a dive into uh, into that as well. Um, and for the sporting news, I am uh, doing some stuff where I'm looking at um, the MLBPA's uh, assistance to players as far as uh, looking at the next collective bargaining agreement already and whether they're going to be um, trying to do some work with the with the owners uh, ahead of schedule versus waiting for the next few years for it to come to fruition because uh, I think there's a lot of issues that the, the teams and other players and the owners are going to need to work out. We'll be uh, looking forward to that, Chris. Uh, appreciate you staying up late on this Sunday night and talking Yankees baseball. We'll catch up again. Appreciate it. Be well, my friend. All right. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. Chris Corelli, SNY, also the Sporting News talking uh, Yankees baseball. So 4-3 uh, to three now, Mets over the Nationals. It looks like the Mets are in a little bit of a, of a jam there. Harvey making a, an error, first and third, two outs in Washington. So we'll keep an eye on that game, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll continue to give you updates as the, the day goes on. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, uh, some audio from D.C. as Rich had a chance to catch up with Zach Wheeler, had a chance to catch up with Jose Reyes, Brandon Nimmo. We'll uh, hear some of those on the way out. 
And if you want to call, the number is 631-955-5400. Again, 631-955-5400. Mets, Yankees, anything you want to talk about baseball-related. We'll be back right after this. When you were a little kid and you thought about what you wanted to be, teaching was at the top of your list. But things changed. And as you got older, teaching didn't seem like the best option anymore. So you're thinking you'll be something else. But what would your 12-year-old self say? Now you want to be a doctor. You don't think teachers save lives? 25 at a time. An actress? Try playing a different role every time the bell rings. How about a scientist? Ever heard of physics, chemistry? Who do you think teaches that? Teachers today are breaking down obstacles, finding innovative ways to instill old lessons, and taking learning far beyond the four walls of the classroom. It's time to recognize that great things are happening in teaching and put it back on your list. Don't try to convince yourself otherwise. You had it right the first time. Find out how you can make more at teach.org. Make more. Teach. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. He had a great start in AAA. Everybody thought he was worthy of going up there. Um, they were playing during the game. They made decisions, so we wanted to make sure he got the word. So you better hurry up because Mike's tweeting it out. For <laughs> <laughs> what was the difference you saw in him that made the, this decision? Um, you know, I think the, the feedback we got, that uh, the confidence was there. He was feeling really good physically, and his slider was wipeout, and he was just throwing, challenging every hitter he faced. So a uh, real good spot confidence-wise and, and stuff-wise. He's been a guy that's been in the majors for a long time. If you're bringing, are you bringing him up for a spot start, or is he coming back? You know, we, we just have to kind of let him pitch on Wednesday and kind of go from there because we're not sure, you know, Vargas's timetable, et cetera. And then, you know, spot starts or whatever you want to call them turn into five-year careers sometimes because you just never know what's going to happen. So, you know, bring him up uh, on the 11th, let him start, go from there. I haven't talked to him, no. Uh, Tony, or the manager, filled him in after that. He's catching the ball? Yes, he's catching it back. But he's not. But he, exactly. Like We're still using a screen yeah. uh, in front of him. Okay. This li- or yesterday, we, at least we did. Okay. I'm sure you heard a lot about this from those five guys that have never pitched together. I guess technically they will. Yeah, this is my time. That'd be fun. Watch. What, what They've never pitched do? together one time through. No. Yeah, it'd be cool. It'd be nice to see. <laughs> Was part of what you heard about Wheeler, the first pitch strikes were pretty common and the game he pitched and kind of getting ahead of the headers and that's what you're looking for. From yeah, absolutely. That's what we're always looking for. Our guys have the stuff uh, to get outs. They just have to do it the proper way, and that's getting ahead. I guess. So, so he'll be in Miami tomorrow? Um, I'm not sure exactly his uh, flight schedule, but uh, it'll be as soon as he can possibly be there within the rules. I guess in determining this, during camp, Lugo outperformed Wheeler. So you have to start here. Obviously, Lugo was warmed up. I guess you talked about what Wheeler did, but how did you guys decide, I guess, the one guy kind of outperformed the other? Yeah, really the the stuff we talked about earlier about how valuable um, Lugo and Gesellman are in the pen. Mike Silva back here with New York Sports Wrap. Uh, final 20 minutes or so. And uh, Mets leading 4-3. End of the fourth. Uh, Nationals had the bases loaded. Harvey pitched out of it. Got Cespedes to fly out. You know, you just heard audio from Mickey Calloway. Rich Catino was down in D.C. 
and uh, he talked about Wheeler coming back in rotation. You know, I'm really looking at Harvey in this start. And again, these are early season tests, but this is a good lineup. It's without Daniel Murphy, so it's not the same lineup he would normally face, but it's a good lineup. He's on the road, national television. There's some adversity, it looks like, here. You know, he made an error that cost him, uh, you know, almost cost him another run uh, there. And, uh, you know, I'm looking to see, can he get through six innings, three runs? I just talked to Chris Corelli. He talked about the Yankees. Six innings, three runs, handed to the bullpen. I know this is not dark night numbers. It's not numbers where he's going to get that big contract he thought he was going to get. But maybe he's not that pitcher anymore. And here's the thing. If Zach Wheeler's going to come in, I mean, I look at this. These guys are always, if they're not DeGrom and they're not Syndergaard, they're always auditioning. They're earning their spot. Not that you want them looking over their shoulder every game, but you want them to earn their spot where they don't feel too comfortable. And Harvey shouldn't feel comfortable after five shutout innings against the Phillies in a cold city field environment. You know, it's going to get a lot harder than that. It's not those conditions aren't going to be around. I always remember 2003. It's a bad, maybe not an apples-to-apples comparison, but David Cohn came back at his second stint with the Mets. And basically, he pitched a really great game against the Expos in dreadful condition, conditions at Shea Stadium. And everybody was pumped, myself included. Oh, Cohn, he's back. You know, he could give them some good starts. Cohn was never the same. He actually retired by the middle of June that season. Because it was a, it was an anomaly. He was able to use the elements and the conditions and grind out a performance there that was was aided by the fact that it was probably a horrible day for I think it was the Montreal Expos he was facing to play baseball. So we'll see how things go. Four three Mets ahead. It'd be really big to get a sweep. Be really a key game. Uh, not the end of the world that they lose, but this would really be a cherry on top of what has really been a successful first full week of Mets baseball here and. Uh, same thing I said here that I would say for the Yankees when I was talking about Chris Corelli, only 6% of the season has gone by. For the Mets, they have less than 10 games in less than 6% of the season. You can't get too crazy, but there's definitely some early signs that you want to look for. And sweep of the Nationals would be a nice way to kick off the, uh, you know, basically the first road trip of the year. We have a couple of more audios here that I want to get to. Uh, Rich has sent over. He did some great work down in D.C. before the game today. Uh, producer Steven will get to us. Let's get to Jose Reyes. Let's get to Jose Reyes, Producer Steven. This is Jose Reyes with Jose, um, Rich Catino. This team's off to a, a fast start, one of the fastest starts in team history. Um, why do you think that is? Well, uh, first of all, I mean, we feel like we got very good ball club. Um, everybody's healthy. I mean, we got all the peace and where they need to be. And, you know, we're rolling right now. You know, hopefully we can continue to play very good baseball for uh, for the long haul. I, uh, I think we're going to be competing all the way through. The pitching staff, both the bullpen and the starters, have done great. The Mets have struck out more batters in the first seven games of a season than any team in Major League history. And when you talk about that, that helps the defense too, I'm sure. Uh, it's not that. I mean, if you see a start of rotation, I mean, that's something that uh, not surprised me. I mean, you know, that had to be something that not surprised anybody because... You know, our starting rotation is very, very talented, and those guys they can do basically whatever they they want to do in the mouth. And you know, the big thing for them is stay healthy. I know if they able to do that for the whole season, I think we're gonna be a danger ball club. And then um, Ahmed Rosario, someone that you're very tight with and have been tight with from the beginning. He's gotten some big hits for this team early on. I mean, how do you see his development? Because I see it even better than it was last year. Uh, very good. I mean, you know, specifically, uh, he's going to be more comfortable now. The 
he been here since opening day from the beginning and you know he is gonna get better and better every single day the most the most the game that he play in this game the more comfortable he gonna feel and you know they just the beginning for him you know so he gonna he gonna be awesome he, like I, I always say he gonna be a superstar and you know I'm gonna be on his side all the time you know try to help him the most I can and you're such a good teammate to a lot of guys in this room and there's a lot of leadership in this room yourself and Todd Frazier and Jay Bruce and Joanna Cespedes, these are guys that are experienced. How do you guys help the younger players? Because it's obvious that your leadership is having a big influence on them. Oh, it's no doubt. You know, I feel like about our ball club, we got, uh, first of all, we got unbelievable chemistry. So everybody got along good. And, you know, as a veteran, me and the other guy, like Gonzo, uh, Fresh, Jay, you know, those guys, they always open to talk even when we do a like hitting meeting you know little meeting here in the clubhouse <clears throat> uh, one way or the other I mean there's someone some better than gonna pick up and gonna say something you know that's good for the for the young <clears throat> the young guys that we have here you know they they can follow you know those guys can be a sample so and and like I said the chemistry that we have like everybody is staying together you know so that's what you want for Good ball, close to success. You've been around the block quite a few years, and one thing about this team that I've noticed right off the bat is the opponents score, and the next half inning, you guys do it again. Four times the Nationals have scored in this series, and every time you guys have gotten a run in the next half inning, um, what's your secret to that? <laughs> uh, never give up. I mean, you know, so try to get the lead back and, you know, try to push the envelope. So... Never give up. If the team score first, score, score a lot of wrong, and you try to push it. And like I say, the key is not give up and believe in, in your ball club and pick each other up. I mean, I think that's that's the key. Pick each other up. That's going to be huge for the rest of the season. And like I say, if we continue to play the way that we show in the, the first seven games, uh-huh, you know, it's going to be a lot of talk about the New York Max. Jose, thanks for your time. Always great for you to be on the show, and uh, have a good one tonight. Uh, thank you for having me. So we are, 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 are blessed talking to you. That's uh, Rich Catino with Jose Reyes. And uh, some interesting stuff from Reyes. Uh, Strubel Cabrera with a home run. 5-3 Mets now, top of the fifth. Real quick before, I believe we have one more audio that Rich had, Brandon Nimmo, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm really interested to hear that. But one thing I would look at from a roster, and it'll be an interesting thing, Luis Guillorme, who is a good, very good defensive player, and showed uh, improved offense over the couple of years in the minor leagues playing down in Vegas, I really think would fit in well with this roster, being able to come in defensively for short second. Uh, even if Rosario needed a spell or Rosario got hurt, he could come in. You know, He's not a, a power hitter. I know that that's been his big thing over the course of his minor league career, but he, could, he seems to have a good eye. A guy who doesn't strike out a lot, can walk, get on base, and, and then the defense is, is from at least from the eye test and from what you hear, well above average. Uh, you know, everybody remembers the video with him catching the bat last year in spring training. It shows you what kind of reflexes he has. I don't know what to think of Reyes. You know, Reyes is not the same hitter. Uh, you know, he's clearly declined on the defensive side uh, from his range. I know that he's a veteran and he has a place in that clubhouse. So you always have to be careful about getting a guy on that team off. And you don't want to use April and a few games in April as an indictment of him. But if he doesn't bring much value off the bench as a pinch hitter, pinch runner, and he can't really do an adequate or an above-league average job on either side of the ball coming in for Ray, uh, for Rosario. And then 
sometimes you're going to need Cabrera to get a spell or even have somebody defensively sub in for Cabrera. Be nice to have that ability late because he has some range issues. Then, and I know analytics and positioning and all that stuff, but uh, Guillerme is the guy I'd look out for because he could be a nice addition, a defensive replacement, a guy that could get on base late in games, um, sub in for Rosario. I think he could play all three infield positions on the left side of the, you know, the second base and then the, the two on the left side of the infield, third and short. Uh, early, he's down in Vegas. Let's see. And I don't know how he would hit over the course of an entire big league campaign. So before we start giving Reyes's uh, walking papers, let's see. But that's something I'd look for, you know, from that standpoint. Uh, final, uh, you know, we got final 10 minutes here. Let's go to the tape again. Rich had a chance to catch up with Brandon Nimmo down in Washington, D.C. I'm really curious to hear what he had to say. So Brandon Nimmo with Rich Catino. Rich Catino along with Brandon Nimmo. Brandon, um, talk about the start you guys are off to. Um, it, it's kind of historic in a lot of ways. This pitching staff of yours has struck out more hitters in the first seven games than any team in Major League history. Uh, can you talk about how that is to play behind a team like that? You know, uh, we're just really blessed to be able to have these guys and to have them all together um, and that they're all healthy. Um, you know, the biggest thing for us, I think, this year is, is to be healthy. Um, and if we do that, then we've got a really great team all around. So, um, you know, those guys, um, it's nothing new for us. We, we saw it all spring. We, uh, we've seen it in years past. Um, you know, I think we're, we're just being able to see it all put together um, this year. And um, those guys, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have you know more good starts than bad, and so um, hopefully as an offense we'll be able to put up some runs for them when they have the good ones, and even bail them out a couple times uh, when they run into those rough ones. So um, you know it's been it's been a real team atmosphere here, and we're all pulling in the same direction, and I think that's uh, what helped what's helped us get off to a great start. Also offensively, this team has a counterpunch. No it seems from very early on. In fact, in this series, every time the Nationals have scored in the next half inning, you guys have scored. Yeah, is that big. a mental focus as much as it is physical? You know, I think it's just that uh, that mentality of never never giving an at-bat away. And uh, it's really been huge for us to be able to, to get those counter punches back. To um, When you come back, uh, especially in, in the other team's position, when they put a run up, they, they definitely want at the bottom of that inning or, uh, or whatever you know the next half inning may be um, to be able to put a zero up and, and get some momentum rolling so for us to be able to take that momentum right back and um, get some get some runs back on the board um, that that really has helped um, uh, turn some games back in our favor when Michael Conforto back it's always going to affect playing time but you're a young player that I think acts like a veteran player on the bench in terms of how you approach pinch hitting How's how's that happened? Did any veteran players kind of help you with that, or is it an innate ability? No, definitely, definitely a help from from veteran players. Um, you know, my first year up, uh, Kelly Johnson was here, and uh, you know everybody's pretty familiar with him because we we went and got him so many times for his ability to get off the bench and hit. And uh, I really picked his brain, and then also Jay um, has been really important to me in fact of um, you know not even just pinch hitting, but a mental approach um, as far as just going up there against guys um, that, that I'm going to face and um, so I've definitely had a lot of veteran help on, on guys on um, what's worked for them to get them uh, on their timing um, and, and, and especially you know coming off the bench so all of these guys at some point have had to come off the bench and so they all have wisdom for, for me and, and I've tried to take that into um, what's worked best for me um, over time. One final one you know with the quintet of the three starters and Lagaris and yourself it's my opinion 
that's the best quintet of outfielders in the sport. And because you all do everything so well, and you all get along, and that's important when playing time is being kind of managed by Mickey. No, I I agree with you. I mean, we've got a really great problem. We've got three guys. uh, We've got got five guys. You know, we've always got two on the bench that could be starting just about anywhere else. And so that's a great problem to have in the outfield. Um, We really have that on the on the infield bench as well. I mean, we, you know, some some days we got a 15-year veteran Jose Reyes on the bench. You know, and um, even yesterday, you know, Adrian Gonzalez, Michael Conforto, me, um, Kevin Plawecki. It's it's just the the list goes on. I think that's a really big difference to how we're, um, you know, we've started, um, and hopefully we'll continue to play. But um, I would agree with you. It's it's a great problem to have, and we're we're really thrilled about it. Have a great one. Great start to the season. As always, Brandon, you're welcome on the show anytime. Thank you for having me. That's Brandon Nimmo. Good start. Uh, good good, good uh, spot there with uh, Rich Catino. Uh, 98.7 ESPN work. Obviously, this is his show, New York Sports Rap, so appreciate Brandon and Jose. And obviously, you heard the Mickey Calloway uh, announcement about Zach Wheeler. So lots of stuff going on down in D.C. Matt Harvey in a little... Bit of a jam again, 5-3 Mets, bottom of the fifth. And like I said, you know, this is really where I'm looking to see, you know, how can Matt Harvey grind out those five innings? I mean, unfortunately, this is the pitcher you have now. Be great if you had the dark night. You know, five runs for the old Matt Harvey, plenty, more than enough. And Bryce Harper, another hit in this inning and, uh, you know, that free agent push. I mean, he's doing this with Matt Adams behind him in the lineup. Uh, It's going to be a little scary when Daniel Murphy gets back, assuming Daniel Murphy is healthy and, and able to perform as he has over the last couple of years on that. Uh, wrapping up here, a few minutes left. Uh, if there is a call, 631-955-5400. Uh, always tough to get calls here this late hour. Uh, a couple of things um, to wrap up with. First, I know some people had tweeted at me about whether or not I had any comments on the Facebook game that the Mets had. And this is a general baseball commentary from earlier in the week. I didn't really watch too much of it on Facebook it was interesting to say the least. It wasn't as bad as I thought. I know you guys are surprised to hear that. I mean, it's annoying that you have to go and log on to Facebook. And I guess there's a lot of longtime fans that are like, geez, I got to get a Facebook account now. But really, Facebook, I mean, what parents in their 50s or 60s isn't on Facebook? I mean, Facebook became popular more so with young people, and then it switched. And so I'm not sure if any of the baby boomers who are big baseball fans will have a problem going on Facebook. Uh, you could watch a full screen. I guess the the hassle is you got to use your iPad or your phone. With the way you integrate TV right now, not a big deal. Am I? You know, I understand where they're going with the comments section and the social media interactions and the way they go about presenting the game. Uh, ultimately, long term, I guess what baseball is trying to do is can they incorporate some of these things into national broadcasts? Uh, I'm sure Facebook paid all that money to be exclusive. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they incorporated or did some kind of deal to incorporate these things into a broadcast where you could take the Facebook environment, uh, obviously for a fee, and put it into a Major League Baseball national broadcast. So it wasn't as bad as I thought. Uh, obviously, you know, afternoon game, not the end of the world there. And, um, you know, it's not like it was a, uh, a Saturday night or a Sunday game or something like that. That would be a hassle. Final thing, Keith Hernandez on Twitter must follow. He's coming out with a book. You can't go wrong following Keith Hernandez on Twitter. He talks about everything from baseball to his cat and dogs. And if you're a fan of Keith's broadcasting style, Twitter will not disappoint you. So a couple of social media points as we wrap up the program here. Um, Other than that, you know, 
Howie Kendrick, by the way, just ground to a double play. So big out by Matt Harvey. He's proving me. I, I'm waiting for the Matt Harvey wheels to fall off. I have to be honest. And it's not quite happening. But other than that, to wrap up this program, good start for the Mets regardless of what happened here today. Process seems good. It seems like they've t- really worn off quickly the stench of 2017. Don't worry about the Yankees. Give John Carlos Stanton a break. Forget about the 10 strikeouts. He's not going to strike out over 300 times. I think he's on pace to strike it over 300 times. Looks like the Nationals just got a run, so, you know, spoke too soon there. But um, that's something that um, you can, you can um, you know, take to the bank, you know, that uh, Stanton will be okay. Uh, I want to thank, of course, Chris Corelli of SNY.TV. I want to thank our buddy here, producer Steven, for putting up with me the last 90 minutes. I want to thank Rich Cotino for allowing me to host this show uh, this week. And, of course, check me out all the time at, at Mike Silvamita on Twitter. Go to the Talking Mets podcast on iTunes and also at our friends over at MetsmerizedOnline.com. I'm your host, Mike Silva. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Uh, Rich Catino will be back next week, wrapping up here for New York Sports Wrap. Talk to everybody soon. Take care.